The opinions expressed in the following program are those of the producer and not necessarily those of WKTV Community Media. Family-owned Palermo Pizza underwrites this episode of Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Paranormal Podcast, located at 901 Gazan Parkway, Southwest Wyoming, and available at 616-531-8300. I heard a knocking at the door, but there was no one there as before. I heard children's footsteps run across the floor, but there was no one there like all the times before. I heard laughter coming from an empty room at 3 a.m. and again at noon. I felt freezing cold spots on a hot muggy day and saw with my naked eye a soft yellow orb hover and then quickly fly away. There are some things science just can't explain. Like all the times, ghosts call out our name. Brought to you by WKTV, I'm Wayne Thomas. Welcome to the, another episode of Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Paranormal Podcast. As always, we ask that you please keep an open mind about things that you might not easily believe as we explore the mysterious. We're getting good at exploring mysterious, all sorts of types, but tonight we have a ghost hunter, and that's something we know the most about, actually. So it's going to be a fun time for us. First, let's meet and check in with my co-host, Kim Colleen. Hi, everybody. I'm Kim Colleen. And Brandon. Hi, I'm Brandon Jose. They've been with me since the beginning, so like I say, they're they, they've been through it. They've been all different sites, types of mysterious. Uh, we've been promoting your book that you sent me for a while now. Yep. The, fem, the, the Feminine Macabre. I, I was saying that wrong because I was pronouncing the R in there, but it's just macabre, fem, Feminine Macabre. And our host, our, or our guest tonight, authored a chapter in this book. This book features all female people that are in the paranormal. So she and she's one of it, one of them. Cindy Heinen, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Might, might as well start out basically like I say, um, you're you're a paranormal investigator, right? That is right. Um, I'm a paranormal investigator. I generally do on uh, Northern Illinois, uh, Southern Wisconsin, but I was born and bred in Polston Township, um, Coopersville, Michigan. All right. Wow, that's close to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm in Holland. Oh, yep. Ottawa County. There we go. Blue County. You betcha. <laughs> yeah. Brandon, he's Byron Center. Yeah. I'm here in, in the studio in Kentwood, so we're, and you're zooming from Illinois right now? Yep, I'm in a little town called Harvard, Illinois. Okay. But most of the uh, research, uh, when we do local events, uh, uh, we work with historical societies, we're mostly in um, southern Wisconsin. Now you say we, you're talking about your team, SAS? Yep, the Society for Anomalous Studies, uh, that's the team that I um, helped found, um, this, we're in our 10th year. Um, wow. And we were actually, most of us that were in that group were in another group before that, but this is the group we wanted to find, to found, um, and we generally work with historical societies, um, that's sort of our mission, to um, do investigations of their properties, but also then to, from that, develop fundraising opportunities for them, because um, a lot of these little places, they don't get the grant funding that uh, bigger places get, so every little bit helps, and so we're glad to do it for them. So you donate money to these historical sites? Um, we'll do like a, maybe a public ghost hunt from them. We do presentations from them. We'll do tours from them. And we never take any money for that. We do it totally as a part of our mission. 
Our nice. payback is getting into really very cool locations that um, possibly other groups wouldn't ever be able to get into because we're we're into developing relationships, of course, with um, these historical societies, but also with the ghosts that are there. And when you get to go back, as you all know, as paranormal researchers, when you get to go back to a location over and over and over again, you sort of start to ingratiate yourself and they kind of get used to you and things sort of um, start to gel after a little while. Oh, you, you, you're saying the spirits, the ghosts get used to you, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've gone yeah. to a lot of historical directors, uh, directors oh. of historical societies, <laughs> more than I have the uh, the ghosts that kind of come back and like to talk to us. Well, so you're on a first name basis with some of these ghosts. You know, um, because we've done a lot of them a lot, sometimes we do find out what their name. So I'm certainly, yeah. as, as a paranormal researcher, you know that you're mostly a historian <laughs> you to me you really have to right. love history and um, and a researcher exactly and so i do a lot of mm -hmm. that and other members in the group do a lot of that and from the hints that we get from the evidence that we get and from working with other historians that aren't necessarily paranormal researchers we're sometimes able to track down the hints come through and we're kind of can figure out who we're talking yeah. to unless it's oh, like al capone cool. who just says hey i'm here i'm al <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah yeah so many of the researchers they do look at this as just a chance to for history because there's a lot of culture that's involved the buildings are historical the architecture is incredible in some of these buildings you know this intro i did it talks about a ghost calling out your name. And you mentioned that in your article that you wrote. Yes. In the book. The, the, the name of your article, Sustained Electronic Spirit Communications. Yes. That's the chapter that you wrote in, in mm -hmm. the book. And you talked about how you've heard names through the through this is it the vr box or it, it's called a vr ghost box and it's actually a software program that has to go on a pc computer so um there's a company called extreme um senses anybody can google that and this man his name is martin he produces these different soft pieces of software program this piece that i use of his is actually one of the first ones he developed so it's sort of rudimentary what it does is it puts out this white noise scan that sounds like and on top of that are phonemes bits of words different different people's voice sounds and stuff like that but there's not supposed to be sentences there's not supposed to be paragraphs it's all like this random mix of noises so a lot of programs a lot of apps work like that this one we started working with in 2017 and um i wasn't so impressed with it at the at the time i have to be honest i just it just didn't ring with me it didn't gel with me until um, I started listening back to it and seeing that I was starting to get full sentences from it. And so I started, we started working with it more and more and more. And as we did, we started to get longer communications. We started to get our names called out. Um, and until now, when we actually, I won't say it works 100% of the time because nothing ever does. It just depends on where you were and your mix of people but we sometimes get some really incredible things that do seem to answer questions and seem to come in bubbles of time that seem to have a start, an arc and an ending that seem to go in a storyline. So that's really hmm. interesting. Yeah, I try to figure this out. Is it 5,000 pieces of audio? Yep, 5,000 little clips of audio. And even other languages. Yes, um, he, I think, oh, I don't know where he is for sure. It's over, it's, it may be Germany or someplace like that where he does this from. Um, but for example, I was at St. Joseph's Hospital in Lorraine, Ohio. And um, the community that that hospital used to serve for one part of its time was a Spanish community. 
And all of a sudden we start getting words through that sound very Spanish. Mm -hmm. And I don't speak that, but um, one of the guides that was with us was a Spanish speaker and he was just flabbergasted and he started talking back and forth with this, this device. So whatever they were talking about, he was pretty impressed with it. So, and it seems strange that all of a sudden, why all of a sudden should Spanish start coming through? Because it's a randomized, ram, random process. So there should be a mix of all sorts of different things in there. Hmm. And you're saying that that system shouldn't be giving full sentences. No, I mean, we've had full sentences come through that seem to be directly related to what we're talking about or a location that okay. we're at. So another example so would that's, be, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, so that's sort of a validation then that you actually are speaking to someone on the other side, a spirit, ghost, what have you. That's sort of a validation then if you're getting um, multi-word sentences. Yes. Is that, that correct? That is correct. And I, of course, I'm, I won't say I'm a skeptical person, but I'm a real, I mean, I want to prove that things are legit yeah. before oh, I'm going to put them out there. And so I corresponded actually with the creator, Martin, several times saying, are you sure this is how this works? Can you explain it again yeah. to me how this works? And so he would again and again. And so I said, well, this is what we're getting. He says, oh, that's fantastic. So, <laughs> but like I said, it doesn't happen all the time. It seems there's a besides just this program that's there, there seems to be other external things that have to happen at the same time to make that perfect storm to have it happen. Yeah. Um, Hearing your own name, that's kind of validation right there. That's confirmation. Usually we've, we've heard our names, you know, that, that's the reason I did that poem was because one of the team members heard her name on an investigation. Brandon's heard his name plenty of times. He's heard my name. But yeah, you think you think you are dealing with an intelligent spirit when you hear your own name. It's not like it's just residual energy just repeating itself. Yep. But what your program is different than the this SP PS uh, SP seven spirit box spirit SP7. box because this uses radio waves and monitors radio channels, so you're constantly getting radials yeah, stations get, coming through sure you're getting that am or fm whatever scan you're doing and the, with the idea being that spirits will be able to come through and use that that chaos of sound to punch a, a message right. through i turned this thing on i don't know if you heard the static or not because it sounds like it's similar to what your vr can you hear it Uh -uh. Well, it's going through the channels and then we have one channel, this country channel that's stronger than anybody. So <laughs> if someone pays attention, they realize that it's stopping, you're getting something each time it comes to that channel. That's <laughs> why I, even though we've had good results with that, so often it's radio station. So, I mean, how can you really say any of it's and my whole thing too with it is like for me, I really don't like spirit box sessions like with the SB7, but like using it doing like an Estes method. To me, that's much more because I think it more opens the person up psychically and you don't have kind of the built in like if you ask a question, what's your name, you're automatically looking for everybody's listening for a name. But if you're doing Estes, you don't know what the what the question is. Yeah, you can matrix things yeah. without even trying. Are you familiar with Estes, Cindy? Yes, um, it's not a method we use in our group, but I've, I've seen it been used before. I wonder if it is something you could use with your program. It's, it sounds like you could. Yeah, I don't know that we need to, but, I, but you certainly could use any sort of um, uh, program like that or any sort of app system that uses phonemes that are randomized and has a, a white noise scan. I don't see why you couldn't do that. You want other teams to do study. Uh, you know, that's the only way. I mean, I 
come from, I'm, I'm not a scientist, but I have a scientific family. I have a husband who's a physicist and a daughter who's a biologist. And so um, we think a lot in that way of thinking that when you have scientific studies, you want to have your pilot study and then you want to go on and have other people trying to replicate that. Um, because I have a lot of questions about this program. How does it work besides just the program working? Is it because of people have certain, um, I think one of the things I talked about in the article was people that might have more of a mediumistic ability, does that somehow influence this? Um, things like that, you know, or even this bubble of time I talk about because these things seem to come in and happen and then go out again. So I have a lot of questions about it and would like to see other groups try it. But it didn't happen overnight for us. Like I said, we started in 2017 and then it just, we kept working and working at it until we finally got it to where we thought it was really getting some phenomenal um, things coming through. For example, um, there was one of our um, investigators that was doing a session at a VFW. Mm -hmm. And darned if, um, this is online and our YouTube channel under um, Sustained Electronic spirit communication files you can listen to and you hear this man's singing voice come through that he was um he had been in vietnam um can't remember exactly what the words were but something i'm gone from vietnam or coming home from vietnam and he another was, one he was singing it he sang it which is really interesting i got interested in the singing part of it because um, if you think about uh, people that stutter or something, sometimes singing is an easier way to get a voice through. But yes, he sang it. Home from Vietnam, turning, that was what he did. And then another one came through saying he was shot by the Germans on the hill. I mean, what? <laughs> and of course, I've never heard those since. And um, it's, they seem very relevant to that place and time. Yeah. That's interesting. We've heard whistling oh, at a couple cool. different locations, and we were able to recognize the tune. Oh, yeah. Oh, Susanna. <laughs> so that kind of told us what time period that mm -hmm. the spirit probably was from. Yep. Yeah, it's interesting. And then music can be therapeutic. Uh, anyway, it, it has qualities to it that we don't, magical qualities to it, actually. Healing qualities music has. I can't say that we've had that happen, not to that extent since. That just even happened to be one of those really great sessions where everything was aligned and many things came through during that period of time. Yeah, a lot of times it takes the right person, right place, right time, yep. I think. Do you have people on your team that are extra sensitive? Um, at that time when we did that session, that was, two years ago, I think, um, there were um, several psychic mediums on our team. Right now, I don't have anybody that is a psychic medium of that level. Um, but that's okay, because I think it's also about how the team gets along. Right. If we kind of go in there, and we have a pretty good attitude, and we're kind of in sync about what our intention is for what we want to do during an investigation, we can get really great stuff. So... I don't know if the psychic has a play into it, if intention has more of an issue in it. I just don't know yet. Yeah. Intent keeps coming up in this field. I think yep. there's so much behind that. I, I think that the spirits already have an advantage on us. A lot of times they know we're coming before mm -hmm. we ever get there somehow. And so it's like there's no surprises for them when the ghost yeah, hunters show EVPs. up. I was going to say on that note, we've had EVPs before with a spirit at one location asking us if we know a client that we were going to be doing in the future. So like that's <laughs> some interesting ones that we've had. Time and space aren't the same yeah. for them. No. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It's really an interesting field. I'm glad we're getting back into it because this is what Brandon's been doing for 10, 12 years, I guess. Um, or he did anyway, that it's both of us did. We've been on a hundred plus cases. Do you do both residential and commercial properties? We no longer do residential properties. We do strictly uh, working for the historical societies or for other um, people that own historical buildings that 
they need funding for. Um, we do libraries, things like that. Um, and then of course we do what, um, what we call our fun trips. So that's when we leave the state and go um, visiting other locations. But mostly our bread and butter is working for um, places near us. The residential things, um, that's a whole different ball game. I spent 10 years before this group doing residential um, locations and I, I just don't feel myself personally, I'm a good fit for that because you're dealing with people in a lot of different, um, and with their feelings and their emotions and with whatever issues they're dealing with. And that's just not something I was comfortable with. I can hear you on that. I did like home cases for like 10 years and I just got to the point where you're dealing with so much stuff that's not paranormal. Yeah. It's more personal stuff. And I just didn't feel comfortable continuing doing it anymore. Exactly. When they've named their ghost, I know that it's a losing battle for me <laughs> because no matter what I'm going to say, whether I can say, oh, it's it could be this, it could be this, uh, you know, let's look at some other things within your house. Um, it wasn't, no matter what I did, they weren't going to believe me. Hmm. Yeah, That's no matter how many of the things you debunk, yep. they, they get it in their mind or they've been watching the wrong TV programs. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. You know, and if they want to believe that and they're happy with that, good, but I'm not the right person to have come in. And, you know, there's lots of groups and lots of people that will just confirm that for them if that's what they want. And if it's not hurting anybody, I'm glad, but I'm not, <laughs> not the person. <laughs> right. Yeah. I went to the point where I was only going to take the very serious cases where, the, where families were involved and children were being tormented. But uh, even that, I mean, I understand where Brandon's coming from. I understand where you're coming from with that. Any of the commercial locations that we would recognize? Oh, in Wisconsin, I just don't uh, know. Um, like there's some dinner, there's a dinner club here. We do in a little town called Edgerton um, called the Historic Lake House Inn. There's a college in Milton, and we've done several locations on that college. So probably not places that you would know. All of our fun trips, you would probably know the USS Edson, you know, uh, Waverly Hills, you know, all the places everybody goes. The Edson in? In Bay City. Bay City. Now, yeah. see, that's where Kim's friend that we had on the show is from. Oh, yeah. Nikki Balkamp. Yep. Yep. And she does similar thing where they do make money and then they donate it to historical places and help build those places up and keep them going. Yep. Wow. That's great. I'm good. I'm glad you're doing that. Well, you know, I'm not in it and our group has never been in it to make money or to have a TV show. <laughs> that's, that's a whole nother mindset. And, but we are here to support our local, our local places and right. some of them have found that it's very lucrative to talk about their paranormal histories and we tie it into the regular histories i just actually had a meeting yesterday with a director of a historical property that we're working with and we he was actually able to say from what you've told me i think who you've been talking to is this person he showed me so that's a nice back and forth that we're able to work with them and we're very respectful of their of what we show of evidence and how we present it. Um, so for example, in one location, I caught an EVP of a woman just screaming bloody murder. <laughs> and I played it for the director and she said, I hope you don't share this. And I said, of course I won't share it. We have plenty of other stuff we can share with that. So we don't have to make all their histories scary. And who knows why that woman was screaming. It, it was a slice of time sort of thing it didn't have to be who knows it could just been yeah. something residual too you know exactly that's what i mean just the, the yeah. slice of time and who knows what that was from um we were recently in another building and we caught uh, the sound of this man screaming and we think we actually know what that happened with with uh, with the collapse of that building um but i don't think he's there i think that was just something that probably stayed there you know that's just a belief i can't prove it but I'm going to stick with that. Huh. Now, people can find your video evidence at SAS YouTube or your... Um, yes, they just need to look up Society for Anomalous Study YouTube, 
and there's um we have different playlists there and there's one for the sustained electronic spirit communication during the pandemic uh you know early 2020 i was bored and i did a couple of videos on some of our locations but more in a historical storyline not um gratifying the group but talking about the stories and showing some of that evidence so there's little things like that on there i thought it was interesting that you said you thought maybe some ghosts were assisting other ghosts on how to use this program <laughs> well um in particular that's once again when we we're in the middle of 2020 um we decided we were going to try to do some of this vr ghost box stuff as a group online and see what we could come up with so i think there were four of us and we had the vr ghost group box going in the background and you could all of a sudden hear something say bill bill's coming al al help bill you know things like this and so it sounded like somebody was going to help bill have a conversation with us and this went on for actually quite a while this kind of build up to this and then finally bill came through and bill happens to be a relative of mine and I asked Bill, and this is on that YouTube thing, and I asked Bill, Bill, is that you? And he goes, oh, yes. And that was very exciting. I said, what do you have to, what do you have to tell me? And he says, I'm alive. And that was it. I mean, that's profound. That's alive? only four words, but that's profound. <laughs> I'm alive, but he's really dead. Yeah, <laughs> well, but maybe not. <laughs> Right. Multidimensional. Who knows? Who knows where what he's doing watching us. But that seems to me that for that whole build up to get to those four words was his name got repeated a lot. People were coming through helping him to learn how to push his voice through or push his energy to create a voice through this program. I can only speculate, but possibly that's what was going on. Huh. How did you know who that person did you say it was a family member? Yes. How did Just you know the, that was a family member? Because that's a pretty common name. Bill? Yeah. Was it the location? Yeah. Like, were you at his gravesite or something? Nope, nope. This was strictly, I was in my office upstairs. We're doing this online. It's everybody. And I will say it's Bill because I, why I think it is, uh -huh. and I can't prove it, is before he had come through before oh, maybe six months earlier before, and I was asking for validation for Bill, yeah. and the, the validation was he gave me um, a nickname for one of my aunts and okay. um, some other things like that. And so, and I don't want to get into too much about Bill and Bill's passing, but um, that he would say he was alive um, with such enthusiasm in his voice and you can go listen to it. Um, that would have been something I would, I, that was very pleasing for me. So I'm gonna believe it's Bill. Okay. <laughs> come, over this, this VR, come over this VR ghost box, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And did you recognize the voice then? No, unfortunately, um, very seldom can you recognize the voice because those voices are made out of the bits and pieces of All right. the program. Yes. Now, I will say that sometimes we'll have a full voice like the man who was singing, the man who was telling us that he was shot on the hill by the Germans, the man who said he was in the Blitz. Those were, were singular voices that pushed through all of that. We've also at times had multiple different voices that could make up a sentence, but I'm a little more leery of that. You know, one voice is this word, one voice is the next word, but they do them right, right after the other. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if I'm looking too much into that. It's an interesting effect. Um, but um, there's, I don't, there's a one um, guy who does a lot of, um, of this sort of work um oh should i say his name <laughs> he's a sort of a famous guy um his name is steve huff right oh, yeah. anybody recognizes his name yeah. but anyhow either you love him or you hate him and um one of his ideas is he feels that you need to use a voice or the best for spirits if you can use a voice that's close to theirs so he's known for taking voices of celebrities 
-hmm. and mixing them all up and then pushing them through his devices so that the responses he gets sounds like those individuals. He thinks the spirits would probably like that more. I I don't know if they would or not, but. um, Yeah, I used to watch a lot of his videos for Huff Paranormal. Yeah. And he would have like this box. I can't remember what the name of the box is. It's not a spirit box. It's like a box, wonder box like or a portal. Not like what? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He and has he many, would, many. Like, literally take it out to the cemetery. I yep. actually thought that thing was pretty cool. It it was. Um. I, yeah, and I I don't know. He now produces. There's an app you can get that uses that acts similarly to that. And I've had some interesting, Mm -hmm. I've just started working with it. I'll tell you in two years, whether I think it's, (laughs) it really um, is, is a good product to use, Mm -hmm. but um, because the, what it does is it takes like um, phonemes and bits of sounds like for a child's voice, a female child's voice. And then you can um, push that through to see if a child would um, maybe speak through those voices and everything is in reverse for that. I don't know. Uh, it's a brand new thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- even though the, we have a lot of these spirit boxes and these apps and these software programs, I still like myself a good old fashioned EVP. I got to tell you. Yes. Nothing. <laughs> Just you asking questions. I love it. I love to go places and, and then, and we've gotten some really long, EVPs that are full sentences too, or maybe two sentences at a time doesn't happen all the time. It right. Once again, it's the mixture of people. Um, the man who uh, directs um, the Society for Anomalous Studies and I seem to have a very good connection as when we go out on places together and we've been able to get some really great EVPs together. We don't know when it's going to happen, as you all know. Um, it's a hit or miss sort of thing. But I, um, I think you kind of cautioned against one word responses. Yeah, well, because as even with a spirit box, for example, everything can sound like no, yes, help, stop, um, get out. Yeah, it's yeah, two that that well, two syllables. But yeah, I've gotten a lot of get outs, and after you, I, you know, I need a little more validation than that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But we we've, we've heard it, and I think you just kind of described it a little bit where. They'll, you'll get a voice coming through, but it's not really coming through on the spirit box. It's kind of separate. And then I don't know, maybe they're using that white noise that the VR ghost box creates rather than use the what's in the program. Maybe. It very well could be. It's, you're, you're creating this chaos of sound that has a lot of different frequencies and things in it that they should be able to manipulate energetically because they do not have vocal cords they don't have a voice so yeah. everything has to be done through sigh or through energy and so somehow they're pushing that through that mess of sound and whatever else we have going on peripherally be it the right people together psychic mediums or there's a thunderstorm coming up you know um, all these things that sometimes influence what we get as paranormal investigators that maybe is affecting that we ran into some other apps, these phone apps, and they create, some of them create just some spooky sounds to begin with. I mean, yeah. sounds like you're in a haunted house already. I know. Th- uh, those are fun of public investigations when people yeah. are, want to have the creep factor. Yeah. Um, there's one I use that's called sometimes that it's called. Um, Necrophonics, I think, was one that uh, our friend used in, in uh, Spiritus. Spiritus, yes, yeah. Spiritus is the one, yeah. Um, Spiritus also will do this video, this ITC sort of visual effect, is uh, the, at least the newer version that Keith has of that. And um, that was fascinating uh, in that you, I actually had gotten two really solid pictures of somebody with sunglasses staring there looking at us and it's like that's just incredible but you have to have patience and good eyesight which i don't have because you go frame by frame by frame through these things and then you got to hope it's not pareidolia uh, that it's actually something there so Mm -hmm. i know if you listen to this spirit box too long that that noise (laughs) yeah it'll drive you right up the wall oh yeah (laughs) yeah Um, 
they've now created um uh, pro measures that did pro measures make spirit box to begin with the sb7 yes i think they did pro measures was the company they've actually come through with a with a um a new device that you can actually put onto it that is more of a uh, it sort of filters hmm. um filters that sound a little bit and then and his idea is that the spirits have to work harder to really push something through so you shouldn't get all that cut in from radio as much as before yeah. i've been using it for maybe about three months i once again it'll take me a while to figure it out yeah uh, anybody, you said you grew into using this vr ghost box that, that's any equipment we have it's just you can't just expect to buy a piece of equipment online and think that it's going to work the next day. I've never had that happen. <laughs> and right. I have a box full of stuff that's never worked for me. I need to have a garage sale. You know, oh, there's really? a lot there. You have yeah. that much equipment? I have a <laughs> ton of ghost equipment. Garage? I told you I yeah, retired. You, you get a lot, yeah, you get a lot of stuff that you buy online and it's, you don't use it and you don't really like it. It's kind of I brought a bunch of stuff out. with me tonight, just in case. <laughs> I mean, I found out some of the simpler things work uh, actually better. Oh, yeah. Some, some of these for measuring uh, temperature changes. Mm -hmm. Some of the simpler devices, because I had some other digital things that cost more, but did not work nearly as well. But we've measured cold spots, I mean, with these digital thermometers, like, instantly. And yep. you, can, you can watch the cold, it getting colder and colder. I want to revisit something you said about how sure. ghosts help other ghosts. Uh, we ran into that where we had one ghost talking to another ghost. It's like we were telling one the spirit to touch, you know, touch one of our meters to make it light up, you know. And uh, what we heard was Michael touch it. So we uh, had one ghost, but he didn't want to touch it. <laughs> but uh, he wanted he wanted Michael to touch it. Uh -huh. <laughs> Do you now do you measure EMFs? Yes, we do. We'll do um, before a we have several types of investigations, but before a private investigation that we're doing for an organization, we'll do sweeps of a of mm -hmm. the whole location and we'll map out the whole location. Yeah. It'll usually be a tri-field or something like that. That we'll I use. think these things work. I think because ghosts do put off a charge. I mean, people put off a charge before you're a ghost even you, that you, you can measure, but ghosts seem to use this energy, the same energy that you're measuring with a device like this or like this. Yeah. K2. Yep. Yep. There's a, I don't know. Should we talk about equipment? There's a brand new piece of equipment I'm dying to get. Um, I saw, I was just at, um, Edinburgh Manor. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. It's in Iowa here. And I met the man who gave us the um, tour there. And there's a new system uh, where you have like a 12 foot or a 36 foot line that has, um, I think it's every six inches or maybe every 12 inches, it has an EMF uh, monitor um, sensor on it that will that will light up. And this would oh. be great. Like if I was in a prison, I would put that like running down the whole prison. Um, is it like way. plastic? Is like it's like, it's like a, a blanket? Of, it's a, no, it's a cord that has oh, here's a, a sensor here, a sensor here, okay. a sensor here, and so okay, you should so it's be a, like a single cord that runs down. Yes, and so instead of putting, you know, buying multiple of k2s yeah. and placing them every 12 inches this cord is already out and it and, and this i haven't tried it i have to figure out whether i want to spend the money for it yeah i i do it is a bad habit of mine <laughs> to yeah. buy way too much equipment. if you're measuring emfs i would i would go for it this is more of a proximity you yes. have to be within the proximity yeah to get it to light up i'm wondering does a spirit an apparition is it thick enough to even to make a, a motion sensor go off? Um, my experience is we've had good luck with some motion sensors and I, and, and I will have um, multiple cameras on a motion sensor and I can't see anything. I'm looking for that mouse running by. I'm looking for something running by exactly. and it will yeah. still set that thing off and then we'll you know, we'll all run, ah, 
<laughs> and go look at the motion sensor and then we'll get all calmed down and we'll go back and then we start talking about it then it goes off again and then it doesn't go off at all it's like there's one place in particular where it seems to happen a lot uh that we investigate mm -hmm. and it's like we think there's a janitor down there just messing with us <laughs> is that like a rem pod then that you have you know set up it's it's just your standard i think garage model um it's not one of my pieces of equipment it's another members but it's just a motion sensor that i think someone you'd use for a garage um for oh, a garage or okay. something like that okay. so it's not necessarily a piece of paranormal equipment okay and then you as a child in this area would go to the saint cecilia music center as a teenager, I was a, I was a musician and I played in the orchestra there. And we were there for the world's largest ghost hunt one year. Uh -huh. And there we talked about this on email, but there's an area behind the stage. It's a it's a fear cage or whatever. It's I mean, you can't even have a meter out. You hold oh, a yeah. meter up anywhere and it's blasting full blast. But I think this area, like I say, they they like that. They like that energy and use that energy. Now, all the times that you were going to St. Cecilia, you weren't you weren't seeing ghosts or anything. No, I remember being backstage with all the other teenagers, you know, and and getting ready to go out on a concert and it just being creepy back there. But you know, I wasn't into that at the time. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of EMF energy back there, so that would probably cause it. Yeah, I also went um, played at um, Fountain Street Church too, which I hear has a haunted history, but I don't know. Yeah, I've been there too, but not investigating. And then we were there for the world's largest ghost hunt, and you were part of that, I think. Yeah, they just asking crazy questions. They sound like <laughs> I didn't. I was. I didn't have a good attitude about it because it sounded like <laughs> questions that you would ask someone that was in a beauty pageant. Yeah, there were, yeah. were weird questions. They, they were questions I would have asked, but yeah, it was uh, more like you're thinking that the ghosts have the answers to everything. Yeah, how can we? How can we have world peace? It's world like, peace. Oh. That's what I was going to say. I think that was one of them. <laughs> I'm sorry, yes. Maria. We're not making fun of you, but then she's the one lady who's been running it for years. But oh, yeah, that was strange. That, I that think was that was one of the questions. Yes, it was. It was. Yes. And um, I, at that point, I was just like, man, this just seems ridiculous. They're, if they have that, those kind of answers, yeah. And I don't think they're going to tell you those kind of answers. I don't know if we're supposed to know those kind of answers from them. Exactly. Um, you know, I did, we were running the app during that time that we were asking those questions. And we did get some really interesting answers. Uh, you know, it's been 2018, whenever we, we did that first one. Um, and we got a lot of things that related to music and stuff like that. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And we had extra people with us because it was the world's largest ghost yeah. hunt. They had extra people there. And then you tell those people, you know, you have to be quiet and yeah. Well, it was, yeah, it was a fundraising event, right? For St. Cecilia. At least that's what I think they're supposed to be for the, your location. Yeah, yeah. And then you give all the money to the location. Um, yeah, we didn't get any money for it, but no, no, no. Yeah, we, you know, we were assisting. I think Rick Wade with that. If that, we were helping right? We, yeah, we were kind of helping out. That, that all went, yeah, back to the museum for um, or, or to Saint Cecilia, excuse me. They are doing another one, the, the world's largest ghost hunt this year. Um, we're not participating because we'd already made an obligation to another fundraising event, <laughs> so which will be much simpler. <laughs> Then yeah, have you been to Gettysburg for one of your? Um, I actually, my first EVP was caught in Gettysburg. Okay, here's oh. my here's my origin story. Is everybody ready? Yep. <laughs> okay. So, um, I really didn't get much into. I mean, I used to read about things. I had strange things happen to me as a kid, but I really didn't get into things until about the 1990s. And so, late in that time, I read a book from a woman called Hazel Denning, and it was called True Hauntings. And Hazel Denning was a, um, 
she's a clinical psychologist, but she also did a lot of um, sort of uh, regression therapies and stuff like that for people. And she was known for going into haunted locations and kind of psychoanalyzing ghosts. And so it was a pretty fascinating book. But the thing I remember most about the book was at the very beginning, she talked about a man called Constantine Raudave, who was um, one of the early EVP researchers and how he captured voices of ghosts on um, reel-to-reel recorders. Well, that was fascinating because as a musician, I worked with a lot of recording devices and stuff like that. So that started me on my way. So of course, being the person that I am, I couldn't just start out. I had to study it for a year. So that's what I did. I pretty much read every book I could get my hand on in the in the late 90s. And then finally ended up going to my first ghost conference, which was going to be about EVPs in Gettysburg. Um, and so I went there and I got, a, you know, you go out with a group of people out to the fields and we were at Devil's Den and this was at night. It's kind of like when you could still get in there at night. I think now it's much more rigorous as far as they're going to let you in or out. But we were there. It was quite late. And there were people over on the rock formations of Devil's Den. But I was kind of like in the parking lot and there's like this creek that used to, it probably still goes through there. It's been years since I've been there. And on my recorder, you you hear what sounds like a rock being thrown into the water and you hear the splash of the water. And then you hear a man's voice come through and it says, where's Jim? Well, I didn't, of course, didn't know I had that until I was sitting in the airport ready to go home to um, Illinois. And um, I listened to it and heard um, that EVP and was jumping all up and down in my chair. And people probably thought I was really crazy, but that's where I got my first EVP. <laughs> you use a digital recorder? Yep. Back in those days, you know, those were those early digital recorders. I think I was using a Radio Shack one and either you had the Radio Shack or you had the, um, the, uh, what was the other one? Panasonic. Yeah. The SB. I got two Sonys and yeah. they're a little bit different. They they have some different functions. And then I had this mic, external mm -hmm. mic for this one. I and probably I a, like on the ghost box, this this little speaker here really helps because the ghost oh, yeah. box isn't really loud enough without it. So this little attachment helps here. How about the, the VR ghost box? Does that come in nice and loud and clear? Well, yeah, I have a special I have a, a, a special computer I use for it. It's just a small computer. Mm -hmm. um, the programs on that I hook in a speaker and it's as loud or as soft as I want. It can be I mean, probably why I didn't like it at first was it was just this cacophony of sound. Um, but as time went on, I got used to it and we, I still won't run a session past about 15 minutes because it'll drive you crazy. Plus, yes. you have to go back and analyze it all. Yes, that's the. That's when it really gets to you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I was ready to climb the walls. I know Brandon too. He, he didn't really care for that. Them long spirit box sessions. No. And, and, and the things what'll happen in them, I mean, they'll, they'll pop in and then they'll pop out and they'll pop in and pop out. And there seems to be a warm up period too. Um, but that's we, my experience. We experience that same thing where you that warm up where you where you have periods where you get all kinds of activity and then all of a sudden just drops right off yeah i call that i might have called it in the article i call it the paranormal bubble <laughs> because you can almost like feel it coming on and then it happens and then it like deflates and mm -hmm. also i've seen it deflate with people aren't behaving themselves at an investigation and by that i mean they're just not following protocol correctly so when something's happening or with somebody you can see somebody's really getting into what they're doing with their questionings and then all of a sudden you jump in with a silly question like whatever that would be or you move or you stand What's your up your favorite color yeah boom it'll just collapse for some reason because there's something going on with that person who's really connecting there and you should just let them go with it yeah. but things happen. I tell you what happened with me and it happened early on. One of the very first um, ghost uh, adventures I had, it, these people have these apps and they throw these words out and then they try to associate whatever's happening to whatever word that's coming out of their word bank. Yeah. And it was like, I just had to get away from it. And I, I'm with you. I, give me less. I, yeah. I think sometimes just going in a, and being quiet and just listening 
is a better way. But people we've had on the show have been saying we need better equipment and maybe this is it. Maybe this, what you're using is better. Yeah, but I think people can't rely that it's going to happen all the time, like I said. And I do like to caution people about that because it doesn't happen all the time with us. Um, for example, my group actually changed a little bit. The members changed a little bit at the beginning of the year. And as we went into investigations, we weren't getting a lot. We weren't getting a lot of anything. And now that the new group has started to gel a little bit more, we're starting to see the evidence get better and, and things start to gel and, and coming through again. So I got yeah. a per personal I th question. I think members too can have a big impact on, oh, absolutely. on who, who they're communicating with. Cause like I had one, like I'm, a, I originally started, there was one person we get a lot of activity. One person would show up whenever that person would be there, it completely, the activity would completely die off, but when they were gone, it would pick back up. So it's kind of, it depends who they want to communicate. Some people they don't want to communicate with. So yeah. then it seems like it shuts off, you know. You know, positive you know, I, attitude going in is important. Mm -hmm. um, do you use any sort of protection? Do you see a need for that? Um, no, I personally don't. Um, there were people in the group that do, and I don't stop anybody from doing that. I mean, I think your belief system can make or break you. <laughs> so if you really believe you need protection, I suppose you should do something about it. But I personally don't. Um, how important is respect? Well, that's yeah. absolutely because if I go into uh, some location and and get me, I will sometimes poke the bear, and by that I mean I sometimes will push the envelope a little bit with um, asking questions, but I'm never disrespectful, and I'm never call anybody names, and I'm never trying to rile things up. And I've got to say, I've done this for about twenty years now. I've never come across a demon. I'll tell you, I just never have. I've never cross, come across anything that was terrible or malevolent. I've been scratched, I've been poked, yeah. but the scratching I think very well could have been somebody trying to get my attention and they just didn't know how hard they were trying. So yeah. um, you can look at it different ways and I, tend, and I tend to want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah. so I was on an investigation one time um, where the person next to me had been scratched pretty severely, like across his back, you could actually see like claw marks that were raised. Mm -hmm. uh, the skin was actually raised. Um, as soon, like two seconds after it had happened, you could see the evidence of it. But we were doing a ghost box session where whoever this was, was degrading women, calling mm -hmm. us bad names, the B word, Sure. You know, have you had experience with that as a woman? You know, how do you handle those situations where you're coming across something that's being disrespectful to you? Um, I turn them off. Okay. <laughs> it's yeah. that simple. I can sit there and take the abuse or I can cut their communication off and like right. I have the power. So boom. Yeah. Gone. <laughs> yep. You're gone. Yep. Yep. Go away. <laughs> I'm not going to be calling in the archangels and this and that to take care of that. Other people that want to do that can, but I'm just basically turning my recorder off and going to find somebody else to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the group I was with at the time seemed, seemed to like to poke, you know, <laughs> to get, to get whatever this was to go into the light or whatever. And well, you know, it wasn't happening. Yeah. It, it yeah. That's not my job. Anymore. That's not my job to do that. That's yeah. somebody else has to have that expertise, but it seems like there are a dime, dime a dozen people that um, say they have that ability to do that. Oh, yeah. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. But First team I was on, if we weren't getting evidence, you know, you're there two, three hours, mm -hmm. four hours. Eight hours. And, and, you've, and you've, a lot of times you don't even know you've gotten any evidence until oh, you yeah. get home and listen to it. Yep. But they get frustrated and then they start taunting. Uh. Yeah. And I, I just don't think that's a good practice. I don't think that's uh, showing the right respect. I think there's, there, there's a way to approach this. Uh, you start messing around and uh, with the, with the dead. And I, I think you might get more than just scratch. I had one get in me once. I think we've run across things that weren't just friendly ghosts in, in our hundred plus cases that we did. You know, we, we saw things like clients were saying that, uh, there was levitation involved, things that ghosts aren't supposed to be able to do. Yeah. So 
I ran into people who think that it's all the same. It does, there's not different degrees of ghost. There's there aren't really dark energies that they it's all the same is what they believe. Some of mm -hmm. these demonologists, they, they whatever they're dealing with is just the same force. I don't know. You talk about your friend. We think that life is a physical thing, but what's living in you is is inside of you. It's, it has nothing to do with your physical body. I don't think a lot of people don't understand that. I guess we need to talk about the book a little bit. Oh. We've mostly talked about uh, ghost hunting and some of your personal stuff. I did want to ask you about Jin Sin Jitsu. Oh, okay. <laughs> Is that kind of like Reiki? Um, no, not really. It's more like um, acupuncture, um, oh. but without but without the needles. And actually there's a form of acupuncture that is done without needles um, where you use your hands instead. It was done by actually blind. It was first developed for blind um, um, blind people to learn acupuncture in Japan in the early days. But anyhow, this is kind of what it's like. Um, and so it was a system I got into probably in the 80s. Um, I'm a massage therapist. And so, you know, mm -hmm. that goes hand in hand, uh, having mm -hmm. these sort of healing modalities or um, it's working with meridians and connecting meridians um, with your hands and you read pulses and stuff like that. So that's what Jinsen Jitsu is. Um, <laughs> as a matter of fact, sometimes on investigations, these were in the early days, you know, when we'd try anything just to roll it out to see what we would get, I would do like little sessions on people just to see if I could up their energy a little bit to see what would happen. And one time <laughs> I was working on this lady at, and you know, I brought my massage tape. We're working on her in the dark and three people saw a, a light come out of her forehead and it's like, okay, I think I'm done now. <laughs> huh. Yeah. It might be a little spooky. Is that an Eastern? Is that come from the Eastern? Japan. It's a Japan. Yeah. Okay. It's from Japan. Now, this book again, mm -hmm. all female, every author in here is female. And this book is dedicated to the fearless women who blaze the trail for all of us. It says, whether history remembers your name or not, we are forever in your debt. And then she lists some of the people that were uh, females in the paranormal. Do you have some of your favorites, alive or dead females that were in the paranormal? Yes, um, Sarah Estep is actually one of my people I, I think about a lot. Um, Sarah Estep actually started the American Association for Electronic Voice Phenomena way back in the day. Um, and then it was taken over by the butlers um, when she retired. But um, that she went out and she was doing like at home EVP sessions and um, she really stuck to it until she started getting results. And then she had. Um, wonderful results and what she did was this is a time before computers if we're talking 70s and 80s mm -hmm. and so she was able through um people sending tapes back and forth to each other so they could critique each other's evps and and she wrote a newsletter so it was a real old school community building for the evp community and i think we really owe her a debt of uh, of honor mm -hmm. for doing that mm -hmm. okay and then well Oh, go ahead. Catherine Crown is one of them that they talk about in here. The first person to use the word poltergeist. They talk about her being the original ghost hunter, how what she did is a lot like what the people do nowadays. She considered the paranormal and ability to see spirits a woman's gift. That women are more open-minded, more in tune to feelings than the sixth sense. They did a, re a study, and, and that's what the study concluded also. So I, we need everybody to weigh in on that. You think, Brandon, you think women are more sensitive there to see through that veil? I would, I think they are more open to it just from doing investigations with clients. We have the, the male, the, the man and the female. The female is usually the one that's much more believing in it. And the guy's much more, he's got much more of a skeptical mind is trying to be more reasoning. It's kind of women are typically on average tend to be more hard guys more rational you know like that's between the emotion and right but there's it's not an exclusive thing you know it's both as ability both men and women have 
It's just they operate with different parts of their mind. Yeah. Yeah. We ran into it where the men are just oblivious. The, mm -hmm. the, the wife, she's noticing everything that the males, I don't think anything is going on here. What do you think, Kim? You think your women's intuition gives you an advantage? Oh, of course I'm going to say yes. You know, of course. And, and you have I, those I motherly know. qualities. Yeah. You know, I just, I, I, I agree with Brandon that basically I think both females and males can be ultra sensitive and have the ability to do that. But there's something about that woman's intuition. It's like, I was talking to my sister the other day and it's like, she will get this feeling that if she has a child, one of her children is in trouble, like she knows and she's always right. And um, it's like, how does that, you know, how, I mean, that's just way out there that you can pick up on something like that from one of your children. Yeah. Yeah. Cindy, I mean, what do you think? Something. You, th you think women have an advantage? I don't know. I've seen some really, uh, are we talking an advantage of just their sensitivity, their psychic, their mediumship ability? Or we, I don't know. Yeah, well, this, uh, I, this Catherine uh, Crow, she would see waves of light. She'd see auras. Well, men could do that too. Um, uh, so I, I don't know for sure. Um, I just know in my household with my scientific husband, things can happen around here and he'll say, oh no, it's not that. And I'm going, oh yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, so that, yeah that, that's more kind of like what I was trying to, you know, saying as, as guys are looking to usually to excuse it. So it's not that they don't have the ability, it's that they try to shut it off and try to come up with a different, with an excuse for it. There's more kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that makes perfect sense that, that um, uh, yeah, that's how. Yeah. Um, um, well, that would be our final work. thought because we're really out of time. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> We'd like to do a shout out to a previous guest, Chitan Noir. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, uh, this book, Feminine Macabre, mm -hmm. the, the contention is that women were slighted through history. And I know that they were in different ways. They, they had to fight to get the vote. And, and they, but not on this show, they weren't <laughs> and haven't been. Nope. We've had 25 female guests in the last mm -hmm. three years. We've had more female guests than we have males by far. Mm -hmm. So it started with Kim when we got Kim to join Brandon and I, and then it's just gone on and on. We we have a list of a female, and then upcoming. Do you have any upcoming events, Cindy? Um, yes, um, we're we're getting right around that time of year where I do a lot of uh, uh, presentations and and things like that. Um, I do want to mention though, with this with the book, she's having a second edition coming out in August. So um, of women paranormal research variety of stuff in there yeah it's from people that kind of look at things in a more analytical way that like i do to people that are just really into the woo woo part of it um <laughs> and everything in between and stories about uh historical figures and things like that so mm. i'm interested i didn't write for the second one i just didn't have time so um i'll be interested to see who she has writing this time okay and then um did you want to give any dates of your upcoming events? Oh, golly. Um, Put them in comments. Say, <laughs> yeah. Put them in comments when you, yeah. when you watch, when, you, when well, this comes out, when this is they're all They're all going to be in Illinois and Wisconsin. Right. Uh, we do some library things, some things at colleges. Um, we're doing fundraisers for historical societies. Um, if you go to our Facebook page, I list them in events or even on our webpage, I usually have a page there. I just got to get on with it right now. Right now, it's a matter of putting, uh, creating all the PowerPoints for all these presentations. Okay. It's a lot of work. And then they can How check can your evidence you out. Facebook? They, they can check your evidence out also. Yes, yes. There's uh, evidence that certainly on YouTube channel is evidence there. I sometimes post things when I have time on Facebook. Uh, the Facebook is just, oh, let me see. What is it here? It's... Um, I'll just look up Society for Anomalous Studies. There you go. <laughs> you'll find you'll, it on yeah, you'll Facebook. Yeah. So upcoming for us, we have Reverend Robert Duchesne, another author, 
and his wife, Nicole, used to be Nicole Bray. I don't know if you're familiar. They have several books out. Mm -hmm. This is Ghost of Grand Rapids. Excellent book. Uh, so they'll be uh, our next guest. And then we're going to uh, Zoom to Canada, oh, cool. Thunder Bay, Canada, with Lisa Perrin. And I'm not exactly sure if she's into astrology, exactly what she is. We'll find out. But so that's that's the show. I always end with inspirational thought. And I picked this one as Christy Ann Martin. I got this off our friend Kat Tetson's uh, Facebook. It, said, it goes like this. I've been to the edge of darkness in a world of endless nights. I've seen what forever looks like in the darkest places of life. And I've come back to tell you that living is worth the fight. We were born to feel the sun on our skin. Our souls are made of light. So it's, it's rough times out there right now. If you're at all thinking about suicide or you're dealing with depression, call those numbers. I'm going to have those in comments too. There's a new three-digit number that's coming out that's going to be on everybody's device, but it won't be in effect till another year. So those those would be in comments. And if you're military, you can call the suicide hotline and then just dial one. And then for military people, it gets you. Uh, to a special place. So that's the show. Um, thanks a lot. Very interesting. I love talking ghost <laughs> hunting. I love it. I know it's fun. We haven't it's done fun. enough of it. So Cindy from Illinois. Yep. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Kim Colleen from Holland, Michigan. Brandon, he's from Byron Center. He's, he's doing from Byron Center. I'm here at WKTV studio in Wyoming. Thanks a lot, everybody. Thanks, Peace Cindy. Out. Bye. Thank you. Family-owned Palermo Pizza underwrites this episode of Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Paranormal Podcast. Located at 901 Gazan Parkway, Southwest Wyoming, and available at 616-531-8300. The opinions expressed in the preceding program are those of the producer and not necessarily those of WKTV Community Media.